Hello, I'm Rabbi Avi Green. And I'm Dr. Akiva Daum. And, and welcome, welcome to Interesting, Interesting Questions. I am a rabbi with ordination from Yeshiva University and a doctorate in education. I have a medical degree with specialization in general and addiction psychiatry. In this podcast, we will seek to take different questions that come up in the Torah and evaluate them from a psychological standpoint as well as a religious standpoint. Please note that in many of these situations, we will be looking at things that may be viewed as controversial. It is specifically to bring about questions that many people have had and bring in to light different levels of evaluation and it'll get people to think about things in a different way. All right, it's time for the most popular podcast topic ever, Yom Kippur. And why is it the most popular? It's the same reason why at Shul one year when I was younger, the rabbi stood up and he said, you know, everybody loves coming to Shul for long services. He said, Yom Kippur, every single Jew shows up. Doesn't matter, they always show up. Shachri in the morning, weekday, eh, not so much. It's fast, it's done. So this is why this must be the most popular topic, Yom Kippur. Um, Avi, Yom Kippur a happy day or a sad day? So that is a great question, Akiva. And I think there are different opinions on it for very good reasons. On the one hand, you have that it is a day of awe, right? Yamim noraim, the days of awesomeness when we are supposed to recognize how God is almighty. And most of us were taught the story about how God has this book and writes in the book. We actually say this as part of our tefillot, that God has a book where God writes in who will live and who will die. Maybe we should talk more about that shortly. And so it is a day of awe and fear. And on the other hand, it is Yom Kippurim. It is a day like Purim in that it is a day we are saved from whatever has been written about us in the past. So we've spent this time hopefully doing some tshuva, doing some reflection, doing some, uh, some, some tefillah, doing some tzedakah, maybe doing some learning of Torah. And now here we are asking Hashem, please, I, I know it was sort of last minute, but please take this into account and we hope that Hashem will give us a year full of good things and the things that we need and the things that we want. And in fact, if we look back in the Torah, And back in the times of the rabbis, they would have this very awesome ceremony where the Kohen Gadol would wash and change his clothes multiple times and bring these karbanot, one for himself to to ask for forgiveness, one for the community to ask for forgiveness. And then there was the the goat that was was, uh, sent off to Azazel, which was probably being pushed off a cliff. Um, And then the Kohen would come back and they would see that the red string that had been tied around uh, the, the goat and, and part of it was tied around a pole at the Beit HaMikdash would turn white 
and they would celebrate and the Kohen Gadol would make a huge party where people would eat. Yes, on Yom Kippur, they would have a huge party where they would eat to thank Hashem and to thank the Kohen Gadol for this wonderful event of being forgiven and continuing. So, Avi, I just want to take a moment to encourage that plug for the third Beit HaMikdash. Uh, apparently, we might be able to eat on Yom Kippur. God willing. And, and the Kohen Gadol would make this party for everyone who was there at the Beit HaMikdash. Um, and it was a day of celebration. So, perhaps this is most... Um, is best explained by looking at how Ashkenazim look at Yom Kippur versus how Sephardim look at Yom Kippur. And I'll say it slightly tongue-in-cheek, but this is the way it was explained to me. Ashkenazim look, right, Eastern European Jews have a tendency to look at Yom Kippur and say, Hinei Yom Hadin, this is the day of judgment, and I am so worried because I'm going to be judged by the king of kings, and I know I have not been perfect, and I'm worried about everything there is possible to worry about for the year to come. And Svardim look at it and go, I know this judge. This was the same judge who was going to judge me last year. He let me off that last year. Hopefully he'll let me off this year as well. And so there's this sort of different approach. And so I want to throw it back to you, Akiva, in terms of maybe taking a slightly more serious note. Is Yom Kippur a day where we should be happy in the sense that we are hoping that we were successful and God has forgiven our sins? And this is a tabla rasa, a clean slate for the year where any of our negative um, uh, uh, attributes and, and any of our bad habits have the opportunity to be cleansed and purged and it's a fresh start? Or is this a day where we should be concerned, be worried about all of the, the things that we should have done in the previous year, ways we may have hurt others? Here's our last-ditch effort to try and apologize to make people feel better, to get on the good side of ourselves and our community and God. So, Avi, you know, I, I think what you're describing, there's something you were saying earlier that kind of had the point of saying, let us have a prosperous year everything we want, everything we need. And that phrase right there, everything we want, everything we need, um, I, I think it kind of sums up maybe all of the sides of Yom Kippur as far as the what psychologically happens. Um, and, and it really kind of brings in the idea of bitachon. And... You know, bitachon is something. It's it's trust. It's it's ultimate trust and faith in in Hakadosh Baruch Hu that anything that happens is supposed to be what happens because the Almighty is omniscient and knows all that will happen and should happen and knows what's best for us and knows the plan and has the plan. We don't need to know the plan. Um, and the idea of everything we want, everything we need, 
you know, there's a lot of things that I want that not only do I not need, but I probably shouldn't have. And I think that's probably true for most of us, right? If, if we were all independently wealthy and we didn't do our jobs, well, then there wouldn't be jobs that get done. And we've learned many of these jobs, dare I say, all of them, right? And this is what we learned. It smacked us in the face. For anybody who didn't know how necessary everybody's role was, COVID reminded us every single person has an important role. So if, if we were independently wealthy and nobody worked, we, we would be missing off on a lot of stuff. And we would also potentially be missing out on the stuff of people who love doing what they're doing. So the idea that we should have everything we want, like, we need to need stuff too. And we need to have what we need. And the idea that, well... Even, you know, in the Torah, the, the parashiot that we've been reading, right, we've been talking about if you do this, there's a punishment, there's a punishment, this will be the punishment, this is what happens if you forget, this is what happens if you become uh, ungrateful. You need a reminder, right, and that's the whole idea of bitachon, right, the idea of faith that if, if you're doing something wrong, maybe you need a reminder to do something right. And not that anybody deserves any kind of level of punishment. That's not the suggestion, nor is that for us to say. But what I can say is, we don't always know what we need. Sometimes the things that we want, we shouldn't have. And so the idea of on Yom Kippur, everybody gets what they need, may be the case. And for some people... It's wonderful prosperity. God willing, for all of us, it's wonderful prosperity. And for those of us who perhaps need, the truth is, need a reminder of what we want to be grateful for, then it's a nice opportunity, hopefully without a punishment, but to be reminded of that which we are grateful for. You know, sometimes just simply, simply a reminder, getting a chance to look at your family and say, wow, this is really what matters to me. Forget the job, forget the everything else. Yeah, the job's nice, but my family, this is what I need. Being able to see that. Or having an opportunity where everybody gets together, right? And I know many of us, the thing we look forward to on Yom Kippur is breakfast. And many of us have breakfast with loved ones, with family members, with people that we get together with. It's a nice opportunity to get a connection with people over something that is Torah and is Judaism um, and, and is very important. And yeah, and, and the truth is also some of the very meaningful practices that we have. Um, you know, the Ne'ilah, right? Ne'ilah is one of the... What do we do? We stand for the whole of Ne'ilah. We, basically, Yom Kippur is a fast and doing, um, you know... Uh, calisthenics at the same time. Get up, sit down, get up, sit down, get up, sit down, bend over, bend over all the way, right? It, it's exhausting. And whoever is the chazan is having to belt out a lot of very beautiful singing and reading in, in during a fast. All of these things are things that are hard to do, and yet we think about it, we look at it, and we participate, and we 
we continue to do that over and over again. It's a reminder. It's an opportunity to really think. It's what we need. So even if we end up, even if there's nothing that changes, the fact is, is there's something that we needed to have happen, and God willing, we'll keep having it happen because it means that we're still here. So Avi, that brings me to my next question. Um, you know, there are a lot of taharas that happen around Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot time, and it kind of gets you thinking. You know, here we are talking about who will live and who will die, and how maybe Yom Kippur is, in fact, a wonderful opportunity for everybody to have a reset and a restart and an improvement and um, work on making changes, but lots of people also die. And what what does it mean if somebody dies around Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot? Does it mean that they were not written into the Book of Life, as they say? Or does it mean something else? So I think there are a couple different factors going on. Number one, and I think we've discussed this before, there is a psychological uh, perspective, and you can remind me what it's called, where people notice something because they're thinking about it a lot. So if I say, wow, look at all the yellow, right? I'm, I'm thinking about buying a yellow car. I'm going to notice all the yellow cars that are out on the road. So I think that is one of the factors that's playing into this. The idea that as we spend more time thinking about who's going to live and who's going to die, the idea that people are dying weighs more heavily upon us or we take more notice of it than, let's say, when it was closer to Hanukkah or closer to Purim or closer to Shavuot or Pesach. I think that's one component. I think a second component is that there's two ways to look at it, right? One way might be for someone to say, gee, maybe this person wasn't very good, and they didn't really, quote-unquote, deserve to live out this full year. The other way to look at it is, no, maybe this person was very good, and not only did God give them all of the follow- the previous year, Gave him a few extra days into this year. So is it a glass half full or half empty? And finally, I think the other piece is that we don't, and to me this is the primary, the primary way to look at it, is that we don't really understand what God's plan is. We can't understand what God wants from any individual, including ourselves. And so... The idea of what is a person's role in the world, I don't know that we can say this person died because of X or because of Y, or didn't die because of X or because of Y. And rather, the idea is that every person has a mission that God has given them, and that particular person completed their mission. Some people have very long missions and some people have shorter missions. 
And when that mission is completed, God says, thank you very much. It is now time to take your soul back from that world. And to me, perhaps that is just the lens I choose to look at the world with and the lens I choose to look at God with. But there does not seem to be another way to recognize that God is the ruler of the universe, controls what happens to us, and yet gives us free will, and then provides us with a life on earth to go and do things. In other words, if the whole point was just to have free will, go and enjoy, do what you're going to do, be good, be bad, whatever, right? then there would be no point to Torah, to directions, to here's what you should do and shouldn't do. If, on the other hand, the goal is here is a, a set of directions, just go follow them, then why do we need free will? The fact that we must have both and we need to have both means that there has to be a process for self-reflection and self-adjustment. And yet, none of us really know when that time is up. All we can do is do the best job we can while we have that role. So here's a question, obviously not for your uh, table, because your table's not going to get much use on Yom Kippur, but for your break or for your meanderings and random thinkings, and, and it really is an introspective one, um, what is your mission? Why are you here, and how are you going to work towards fulfilling that mission? I think that if all of us thought about that a lot more, we'd probably see a lot more satisfaction in what we're doing. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at iqdiscuss at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and responding.